I always want to take a few moments at the beginning of the year to remind you of the discipline that you all know you should do and you all want to be better at, and I want to give you some encouragements. And, and this Sunday, we're going we're gonna to do a few, uh, a few things here. We're going to look at the, the, the picture of a devotional life, and we're going to look at um, possible plans for a devotional life. How can you um, get into God's Word and stick in God's Word better and longer this year? So that's what we're going to do this, this morning, and we're going to start out with just a, a passage of Scripture, and we're going to look at the picture of what Jesus wants, the picture of what God wants, you could write it, and that is in this contrast that we have in Luke 10, verse 38, uh, between Mary and Martha, and I love this story. It's, uh, we'll read it here, and then we'll talk, we'll just give two points from their, their, their contrast here. Now, as they were traveling along, he, that is Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who was also seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the preparations alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. That's always an interesting picture in my mind because I always like to think that the Lord wants our humble service, our regular behind-the-scenes service. That's what the Lord Jesus wants from us. But look at this. Look at what Jesus says to her. He says, one thing is necessary. She has chosen the good part. And look at that. It will not be taken away from her. But let's, let's just jump at this passage from, from a bit of a, of a distance here. Uh, let's first look at like the broader context that this passage falls in a little bit. Let's look at the implied priority of Jesus that we see in all of Luke chapter 10. Now, Jesus, um, at the beginning of this chapter, is sending out 72 disciples to spread his message and his name. Uh, broadly among the people. And, and notice what he says to them at the beginning of Luke chapter 10. He, he says in, in 10.16, the one who listens to you listens to me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me, the one who sent me. Notice Jesus is the source of their ministry, right? He's not sending them um, to declare God's message. He's sending them to declare news about himself. He is the sender, the source. But also notice he is the substance as well of their ministry. In chapter 10, verse 17, they're ecstatic because the demons, they say, even the demons are subject to us in your name. It is Christ Jesus's name alone that causes demons to flee and tremble. Do you see the implied priority of Jesus? Jesus is the most important figure that ever walked on the earth. People need to pay attention to him. Even demons pay attention to him and shake at his presence. 
But then look down in chapter um, 10, verse 22. Jesus begins to explain the priority of being with him and the privilege of being with him. He says, all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows who the son is except the father and who the father is except the son and anyone to whom the son wills to reveal him. Notice Jesus has all the authority of God. In fact, he has a bit of exclusivity to Notice, no one comes to God, no one knows God truly, unless they go through Jesus. Do you see the implied priority of knowing Jesus and hearing his words and being with him? Matter of fact, notice what Jesus says. He, he says in verse 23, blessed are your eyes for they see. Your eyes, because you are with me and you know me and you're with me and you get to spend time with me, your eyes are blessed. And then look at what he says in verse 24. I say to you, many prophets and kings wish to see the things that you see and did not see them, and to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. Do you realize what he's saying there? He's saying many important, significant people in the Old Testament, prophets and kings, longed for the opportunities that you have. And you have them right here. Being with me. Notice the implied priority of Jesus. Jesus is the way to God that all mankind, all history has been looking forward to. To be with Jesus is to be with God. Your position is blessed. To to be with Jesus is a priority. But then let's also look at that. That's the implied priority of Jesus. But then we see kind of uh, this illustrated a little bit. We see the the impractical priority of Jesus as well. And this is where we come to our passage about Martha and Mary. And like I said, I always find this passage interesting. Martha, what is, what's wrong? She is distracted. All of her busyness for Jesus is distracting her from the blessing of being with Jesus, right? She... She has contented herself to just do a lot of things. But really, the most important thing, the implication of this entire chapter is, if you get to be with Jesus, you should treasure time with him above everything else. And notice exactly what Mary is doing that's so praiseworthy. She is sitting at his feet, listening to his word. She is not in a hurry. She is listening to the Lord reveal himself to her. I would say this to you, and this is a little surprising, but do you realize that Jesus wants you to know and listen to him more than he wants you to serve him? Matter of fact, the heart that that Jesus really wants, the heart of service that he really wants in you, flows out of this unhurried, quiet Uh, listening to him in his word. Uh, That's your priority. It comes before all other priorities. Uh, The key to true service is a bit of impractical priority in your life where you put other things aside to listen to Jesus and his word. There may be many things that, uh, that are trying to make you worried, that are trying to distract you, But the blessed thing to do is to do the one thing that is necessary, and that is hear from God every single day. I would say this is the secret to Christian joy, the secret to Christian service, the secret to Christian humility, the secret to Christian contentment, their ability 
to always have being with Jesus in his word as a priority in their life, right? They, they have this listening spirit about them where they do not come to speak, they do not come to do, but they come to hear and to meditate on his word and pray through his word and then seek to do it. That is the the picture that we have, the impractical priority that Jesus says. He seems to suggest, doesn't he, that, hey, if, if, if one thing were to happen in your day, it better be this one thing, right? Uh, more important than breakfast or lunch or supper, you should make sure you are listening to God in his word. More important than any service you can do is gently hearing with your ear the words that he speaks to you in his word with an unhurried, quiet, humble, listening, learning spirit. Now, there are many ways to do this, and I always want to emphasize things like prayer and praise, but I always think it pivots around your ability to intake God's word in an effective way. And, and what I want for you is to learn to take in God's word in a disciplined manner every single day, even a little bit every day. Maybe perhaps you think what I would say is the best quiet time is a quiet time that lasts for three hours in the morning. I don't know if I would necessarily want that for you. I think what's better for you is to have discipline in your life, even if it's only 10 to 15 minutes. If you are getting into God's word, hearing from him, understanding what his word means and what it also can, therefore, apply to you and mean, that would be what I want for you. Your, your daily time in God's Word, quiet time, if you want to call it that, is, is necessary. It needs to be an unhurried time. In your, in, your, in your winter retreat devotionals, I defined quiet time that way. It is an unhurried time with God through His Word, and that's what I think you should, you should have in your life. Um, we see this pictured in the Bible, I'd say. Spiritual life that is vibrant, that is enduring, isn't pictured in the Psalms like a shot that you just need to get every once in a while to get updated and, you know, secured with the, the dose. It's not a software program that you download every once in a while to just update everything. No, uh, the spiritually vibrant life that we see in Psalm 1 is a tree that drinks daily, just a little bit maybe at a time, but drinks daily and produces fruit daily, right? That's what you want. You want, it would be better to be slow and steady than to be, than to go into bursts. And we talk about this with like exercise too. What's better to exercise for, you know, 20 minutes a day or to exercise or 20 minutes a day for the rest of your life? or to exercise for, you know, three hours every month, right? Obviously, one will be beneficial to you, and one will probably just hurt you in the long run. Uh, the latter is what I do. So, case example. Uh, so, let's, let's talk about plans now. I want to talk a little bit about plans, but before I do, um, is, did you ever find that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I thought, I thought he just couldn't find it. There's a slideshow. Um, I did this slideshow a couple years back, 2021, I think, where I went through my top tens of quiet time reading. I always find it fun. Um, a few uh, qualifiers, though. I've gone back through and I've rethought some of them. And, and in 2021, I gave you a list of, of ways to read the Bible that I liked. <laughs> and so clearly, I'm passionate about the things that I like. But this time I went through it and I was like, hey, what do I think would be best for you, maybe a younger believer, to use to get into God's Word? And my list changed a little bit, just a little bit. So um, 
you can, you can, you can take any one of these top tens. I would say there's benefits to any of them. Um, but, um, I clearly have a favorite, so we'll see. Um, so we're going to talk about the best plans for you. Let's go to the, let me just try to figure out where I am on the slideshow here. Next slide. Uh Oh, it's broken. I have no idea why that's still there. All right, go to the next one. Sorry. Oh, man, are you kidding me? Did it update the wrong slideshow? All right, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's, this is a long one. This is a, I was using a template from First John, so we got to go through uh, all this lady thing. Oh, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Right there, stop. Yeah, okay, all right, okay, let's go. First one, first one. Um, this is my top ten, so obviously it's not your top ten. It's obviously very subjective. Uh, next slide. Um, but I tried to take it from your perspective, so this is everything I said. Next slide. Uh, but we're going to start with a few non-starters. I just want to give you a few options that I don't think are very helpful at all, um, just, just to clear the air so nobody's confused about what I don't think is best for your life. Um, next slide. First non-starter would be number no good. Uh, sorry. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to keep on top of it here. I put a few more animations in here than were necessary. <laughs> Uh, the no plan approach, just in case some of you were thinking, hey, I'm just not going to have a plan at all. Now, there are some pros to the no plan approach. Uh, the pro is you have no guilt because you never get behind. <laughs> the con is you actually will um, never read your Bible. That's a con. Um, next slide. This one's called the cross your fingers and turn to a page uh, approach. Um, there could be some pros to this. Pro number one, it's very exciting. It kind of feels like God's speaking to you every single day. Um, you know, maybe. And also, eventually in your life, you probably will turn to every single page in the Bible. So you may eventually read through everything in about 90 years. Um, there's that. But the con is... Uh, there's no real goal. And I would say this is very important for a young person. What are you trying to accomplish? If you're just flipping open your Bible every single day and saying, hey, uh, what does God want me to learn today? Uh, you, you might actually run out of uh, motivation faster than you think. Uh, there's also another one. I, I think there's great harm in, in reading verses out of context. Even sometimes chapters just jumping in the middle. You may be confused about who the audience is, and what it meant to them. And I think it's very good to, to know the flow and the context, so kind of jumping into a, a passage in the middle of the day might not be the best thing. And also, you could come up with some pretty serious misapplications, right? Uh, so, for example, Exodus 20, verse 13 says, You shall not kill. But if you just flip over the next day and read Exodus 32:27, it'll say, Thus says the Lord, every man put his sword on his side and kill every man his brother. So, obviously you wouldn't do that, right? But I'm just saying, you can take a verse out of context. Um, Proverbs 12:22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But 1 Kings 22, verse 23 says, The Lord has put a lying spirit in all of these prophets. So what in the world's going on? I would say it's better to read uh, your Bible the way it was meant to read and not just hop into it all the time. But you'll be surprised at what I recommend. Also, one of my favorites from my systematic professor uh, back in school, he always used to quote the line, right? Um, Judas went and hung himself, and then the next day you read, uh, you go and do likewise. But uh, there you go. Uh, another, another approach, some of you, um, 
I wanted to put his picture on there, but I didn't. Uh, this is the verse a day approach. Uh, one of my professors in school did this, actually. It was, uh, uh, some of you know him, the, the esteemed Dr. Ronald Sauer. Uh, he had a southern accent. I was just watching him last night, actually, on YouTube, and he's just, just man. Anyway, but anyway, uh, he is a, um, a military machine. He went to he went, I think he served in the army for a while, and he's just disciplined to the core, right? Every day he wakes up at the same time, does the same thing, wears the same clothes, it seems like. But, but every day he would just do one more verse, one more verse. He'd translate, do some applications, and then he'd come to class and talk to us, class, about what we're learning today. And, and that was it. And I'd say there's some pros to this. You could go very deep, right? It could be very exciting to you. But the con major, the major con is, right, you're going you're gonna to only be in like one book for the rest of your life if you start in a big book, like Psalms or something like that. And also, there's a context issue, right? If you do not know the end of Job, the beginning of Job might fool you, right? So it's good to know the broader book before you really dive into the nuts and bolts. And I think that's what he already knew, right? He'd already been through seminary. But sometimes uh, the verse-by-verse verse approach, one day, one verse, could be... Um, detrimental to you. And another one, and I put this under question marks. Uh, nope, never mind. I didn't put it under question marks. I don't know what happened to the slideshow. I have no idea what this slideshow is going to look like. I thought I updated it, but I guess I didn't. Uh, but I'll just add this in here. I put it under two. No, no, no. Go back. Go back. Go back. <laughs> don't steal all my fun. I, I put this under question marks because there's these little things called coffee table devotional books. Is this a good approach? I would say it's probably not, at least if you're not very familiar with the Word of God. I would say to you that that is a, just a haven for taking verses out of context, even from books perhaps that you think are good. Like I used to read uh, uh, a certain older guy, I think it was Oswald Sanders, uh, My Utmost for His Highest. If you actually read that book, you're like, I think he's kind of taking that verse out of context a little bit. And that's just the problem with these devotional books. They're totally meant to be oriented on you and how you feel and not necessarily always on how big God is. And that's what the, the Bible does focus on. So I would always be cautious, even, even with, um, even with uh, um, devotional books. But anyway, so those are just my, my uh, preliminary things. Now let's just get to my top tens. And then here, just do this. You know, while I'm working on this top ten, you guys just kind of go through and do your own little top ten and say, this is actually my top ten. This is how I'd like to do it. Or maybe pick one that you think is interesting. Really, if, if nothing else, if you say, man, I really want to study the Bible that way this month, that's what I would want you to do and take away from this message. I'd want you to get excited about getting into God's Word maybe in a new and a fresh way. So, um, number ten. And I, I do find a benefit to all of these Bible reading strategies for you. I think they could all be helpful to you. Um, but they are in a list because top tens are so fun for me. I just love top tens. So um, number 10, we have the audio, audio Bible uh, slide. And by the way, if there's any spelling errors, uh, feel free to just keep that little morsel of truth to yourself. I don't want to hear about any of these spelling errors that are on this slide. I was up till 11 o'clock last night trying to work on this slideshow. All right, anyway, uh, the audio Bible approach. I actually think this can be very helpful. So actually, if you think about it, this was probably the way the original, uh, original readers of the Bible actually read the Bible. They didn't read it at all. They heard the Bible. And you know what? Whenever I listen to the Bible, like while I'm driving or I'm walking or doing something else, I feel like I'm listening to it in a new way, and I notice new things about it, and it's very exciting. And you can cover a lot of terrain also when you are listening to the Bible, right? 
uh, on my way to work this last week, I was listening to Joshua, and I just I cruised through it because I was listening to it, and I heard things that maybe didn't stand out the same way as when I am reading it. Now, the con, now the pro is also, look at this, look at this girl. You can study your Bible anywhere. You can, you can move really fast through the Bible. And, and you, can, you can do a lot of things while you're listening to the Bible. But now the con is you can go anywhere. You can do anything and you can get really distracted while you're listening. I sometimes forget like, to listen. Sometimes I, 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 I miss certain things because I'm not listening very closely. I find that reading helps me stay attentive. Um, this does require a bit of technology. I don't necessarily think I would want to wake up every morning, put on my headphones, and just start listening to noise. I think there's a good thing to having stillness and silence in your life. You can be distracted. Um, but if you struggle to read, um, this could be a really good way. It also could be something that would be a really good use of your time when you're doing other things, right? I want to just listen. I'm going to make a goal of listening to all of the book of Psalms in the month of February. How about that for a goal? Like on top of my reading in the morning, just, you know, when I'm exercising, when I'm doing chores around the house, I'm going to listen to the entire book of Psalms. Here's number nine. And once again, I, I could find a benefit to this possibly, but it's up high on the list for a reason. And I put it right under, right under audio Bible for just one reason. This would just be start in Genesis and just keep reading. That could be really good, could be really exciting. Um, you'd get a really good feel for the Bible story. You'd get some really uh, great excitement for the New Testament when it comes in November. <laughs> uh, but, and that's kind of the drawback, right? You're going to be in the Old Testament for a long time. And maybe you, a new believer or a young believer or someone who's trying to develop your discipline, maybe there would be a better way to go about it. Once again, this could be a very good thing, could be very helpful. But at the same time, I want you guys, rather than do something incredible, to just set yourself up for success and actually read the Bible. And you have to be a monkey to do it, apparently, as well. So, um, next slide. Um, Number eight. once again, it's totally subjective, but uh, read with a commentary. Now, this is something I used to poo-poo at. Anybody know what that word means? No, don't worry. Uh, don't worry about it. I used to think, no, you can't read anything else. You have to read the Bible and the Bible alone. Don't even take notes. No, no I didn't think that. Um, but I, I used to think like this was not a good way to do it. But recently, I've, I've started to, in the morning sometimes, especially... As I read the Bible, sometimes I'm reading it again and again. Sometimes I I spend some of my time reading a commentary, and that actually opens up my mind to to the way the passage works, to what things mean. And usually, if I choose the right commentary, really opens up incredible applications that I had never thought about. And... And, and when you work hard to understand something, the harder you work, the deeper that application even sits in your life. By the way, I really like Dale Ralph Davis. If I was to pick one book um, to read with my Bible, it would, it would be a commentary by him. I have tried other commentaries. I've tried a commentary on Romans. Couldn't make it through. I've tried a commentary on a few other books. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I always make it through him because he makes such keen observations in the text and also has such gripping applications as well. I I think this can be helpful, particularly if you are going through a book maybe a second time. Maybe you you have... You have 30 minutes in the morning that you can give to reading or quiet time. Maybe you have 20 minutes that you have in your day that you can give to a quiet time. Well, try this. 
10 of those minutes reading, uh, maybe reading some of your notes in your study Bible, and then the other 10 just reading the Bible and meditating on it and thinking. Once again, this will help you get the right meaning. The, the drawback to this is you're only getting their interpretation, and that might actually blind you to some other interpretations. Um, number seven, there's the study guide plan. Now, I personally just can never, can never just lock into you know, having a study guide in front of me that I fill out. For some reason, my personality just wants to read and read and read, and all those filling in the blanks sometimes just get uh, redundant to me. But I could find this to be uh, very helpful to, to you. I found in, in places in my life to, that it is helpful as well. Um, this allows you to kind of ask the right questions, right? They're already saying like, hey, can, have you observed these things in the text? Hey, did you notice this? Hey, what, what does this truth about God mean to you and how and how so? So that could be very helpful. It could guide you. It could teach you. Similar to the benefit of reading with a commentary, it's actually helping you learn how to ask the right questions of a passage. And, and once again, Either a commentary or like a study guide like this could be really helpful to just developing the skill of knowing how to read God's word. And that could be very helpful to you. Number six. Um, number six is the sermon uh, notes plan. And all of these are very similar. Commentary, study guide, and sermon notes. But I find this one could even be more advantageous to you because whoever was preaching to you the week before was thinking about you, or at least your context, your situation, when he preached that message. And you should spend some time to think about it, to go over your notes again and again, and to meditate on, hey, how, how does that look in my life? Or where am I lacking in that truth? Or how can I sink the roots of this text even deeper in my life? And it will also prepare you to hear God's word even better. This could be a very good use of time. If you're struggling with things to do, just go over your sermon notes, read the passage again, and think about it and meditate on it and pray. And something that's helpful to me is to even kind of rewrite my sermon notes over again, saying, hey, I want to write that out a little bit better, a little bit clearer. I feel like now that I've heard the whole thing, I can more uh, clearly uh, summarize it in my own hand. That would be the, the sermon note uh, study. Uh, let's go to number five. Uh, Psalm a day, proverb a day. Couldn't find a good picture for this, so I just snapped one of myself in my office. But notice, you, you probably have at least a New Testament that has Psalms and Proverbs with you, and you can carry this thing with you wherever you go. And th- this is a, um, kind of a track I've used often in my life, and, and really it's very simple, right? There are, there are 150 Psalms, there are 31 Proverbs, right? If you were to every day say, okay, what's the date today? It is the 29th, right? I'm going to read the 29th Psalm today. And tomorrow I'm going to read the 30th. And the day after that I'm going to read the 31st. If there is a 31st in this month. Uh, And then next month you just say, I'm just going to add 30 to that. And then, you know, the 31st would be, never mind. (laughs) This is not a good day for me, apparently. Uh, 30, uh, the, the second day would be the 32nd Psalm. The, the third day would be the 33rd Psalm. And then you're reading Proverbs 1, 2, and 3 every single day of the week. Once again, I have used this, and it's been very helpful. And I would say even what better place to practice slowly meditating on God through his word than the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. Let's uh, do another one, number four. 
This is obviously my favorite. Repeated reading. I think there's great benefit to reading the same passage over and over again. Matter of fact, I would say there's great benefit in spending a whole month in one book and reading it over and over all at once, once again. I've told you this before. Galatians, you can read in 20 minutes. Ephesians, if you're slow, you can read in 20 minutes. Uh, Titus, you can read in 7. First uh, John, you can read in 16 minutes, right? You can get a hold of the entire book, and every single day, just take a note of something else that you see in that book. And it's very helpful, and you once again see it all. Now, this, this plan has a few major cons that most of you have realized by now because I've forced you to do them with me, right? Uh, The con is it gets a little bit redundant and you have to read the same thing. And sometimes you start to skim and miss things and you're not as clear of a reader. Well, that's that's one of the cons. The other con is you really can't do this well with a big book. I had to break up Romans into three chunks and it was kind of sad to me. I wanted to know, I wanted to still be thinking about Romans 1 when I was reading Romans 16, but I couldn't do it because it was too big. Romans takes an hour to read. You can't do this physically with Proverbs, or Psalms, I don't think at least, not with a regular schedule at least, it would be five hours every single day to do this. But I would say that this does create in me an appetite to read God's Word as I slowly read through it every single day, continually trying to figure out how it all connects, how it makes sense. It it causes me to hunger for God's Word more and more. But also, there are some potential problems. You could destroy your Bible uh, by reading over it so many times. Uh, Let's move to the next one. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised at how far this one kind of moved in my list as I was thinking about you. Uh, Usually I mock the whole topical Bible approach. This Bible has a different color scheme for every single topic, and you can kind of just kind of pick the topic that you want. Um, But actually, in theory, I really like the idea of doing a topical quiet time approach. And I'm not saying get this Bible where it's all color coordinated for you. You can if you want. That's kind of interesting. But I'm just saying think about your life and the topics that you need to deal with. Is it thankfulness? Is it idolatry? Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it election? Is it God's sovereignty? And then find all of the passages that have to talk about that and just plan out your, you know, next six months or so and say, I'm going to every single day study this passage and this passage, and I'm going to have a little notebook and I'm going to write out observations I make about this topic that I am studying. This could be very helpful to you. Matter of fact, if you have a problem in your life that you know of, this may be a very good way to pray about it to your God as you're listening to his word. The only, the only caution I would give you is you shouldn't just jump from verse to verse. It's very easy to just kind of, you know, type into Google and say, hey, what does the Bible say about pride? And then you can come up with all these verses, but I would say use that as a tool to find the verses and then study the whole passages just so you can be sure you are reading what God wants you to read in the way he wants you to read it. But this could be a very helpful, a very helpful way to study just maybe for a season of your life. I need, to, I need to study about contentment. What does the Bible say about peace and contentment? I want to study everything I can about those topics. Let's move to plan number two. Oh, man. I don't know what I did. Uh, anyway. So, oh, I know what I was doing here. Okay. I, I really thought I had this all figured out. So, um, here's a few ways... 
Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, all right, go to the next slide. Just make, make sure. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Here's number one, I guess. We're skipping number two. Uh, number one, I would say the plan you can do is the best plan. I would say any plan that causes you to slowly move through God's word, I would say maybe the best plan for you is just to say in the next two months, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the, the gospel of Mark my own. I'm going to make Romans my own. I'm going to make Philippians my own. I'm going to make Psalms, book one, my own. And I'm just going to study it slowly but surely every single day. I'm going to think through slowly what God is saying. What does that mean about who God is and his character? And what does that say about me as a person of God? I would say it's good to just start slow and not try to do all sorts of crazy things. But what you should aim for is consistency. Can I do this every single day? Can I develop a discipline that continually does this every day? Right? Uh, My dad used to encourage me to simply read in my Bible until I found something to meditate on and then think about it calmly and then just kind of move on about my day, right? Just have a a pattern in your day where you're eagerly trying to hear God's word, what it is saying in its context without like trying to pull applications this way and that. Just learn about your God every single day. Ultimately, that is the best plan for you, right? The plan that you can be most consistent in, right? I'm a big fan of the mornings, but I know some of you aren't. What I want for you more than I want you to wake up at five in the morning and read your Bible is to read your Bible when you are ready to read it. If you you can be faithful and consistent and undistracted in that time. That is what I would say. Um, I want you guys to take two minutes to, um, with your neighbor, talk about any plans that were particularly interesting to you, and then uh, maybe I'll have you share if we still have one minute or so. So take two minutes and talk about any plans that were potentially interesting to you or things you could implement into your current plan.